Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. Take two with Outcast Catholic here, you know? Yeah, we had some technical glitches, but here we are live. We're ready to go now. <laughs> no problem. Father Shane, it's going to be with you again uh, via, you know, cyber web communication here. Yeah. Glad we can connect How are again. you these days of Lent? Doing well. We are we in the midst ourselves. of Lent, and we are in the midst of evaluation season. Oh, that's more of a Lent than most people get to experience. I, I write emails every day, and I sit through four a day, and they're good, though. I get to, to learn the men and their discernment really well. See, I don't think people know this about, well, I know people don't know this about seminary uh, discernment. You know, sometimes people will criticize the process and say, why does it take so long to become a priest? If it took less time, less investment, we'd obviously have more priests, right? People say this all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, do but, want, but do you want I, your doctors exactly, just to go through two I, years no of one, college? No one asks. <laughs> nobody asks why their doctors went to school so long. Right. Nobody asks that. Why lawyers went to school for no so long? No one asks that. Veterinarians. No one asks. You know? Yeah, they just trust the expertise. Architects. The what I was yeah. just going to point out though, quickly, is like. A lot of people don't understand, too, that a man who's in seminary, every year he's in seminary, both minor and major seminary, he's going through this process of evaluation where the seminary kind of evaluates and discerns with him his growth and maturity in the Lord's call in his life, right? The church mm-hmm. is discerning with the guy and then is able to kind of report back, communicate with the diocese and the bishop to say, this is where your guy is in formation and in growth, and this is kind of the move. I don't. I think a lot of people just assume it's kind of just like going off to grad school. You just go and you study a bunch, and then you pop out as a priest. Yeah, and that's exactly what the new PPF six is trying to break us from. That priestly formation is not chassis towards just getting a degree. It's not. Mm-hmm. I pass my classes now. Give me ordination. If his if his whole human affect, if his maturity, if his spiritual growth, if his pastoral charity towards outreach to those who need to be evangelized isn't there, well, then who cares if he passed his classes? Right. That's actually a very small component of it. Mm. Yeah. Have you been kind of stuck in St. Louis for a while doing evaluations, huh? Not a lot of travels yes. for you? Yes, weeknights. We are. Oh. We go all, all, every weeknight with four more evals. Well, you were kind of Mr. World Traveler recently when we chatted, um, and I've not traveled the world, but I've actually gone somewhere where I've never gone before. Did I mention it on a previous show that I was going to New York? No. Okay. Somebody said that so I did. So you went to New York. Well, somebody said that I did. So I thought maybe I, I don't know, maybe I said it in I a different context. That. doesn't matter. Yeah, I went to, um, we've mentioned uh, communion liberation before, this lay movement in the church that started in the 50s with Monsignor. They just call him Don Juice sometimes, uh, Luigi Giussani. And I've been kind of following this movement for like eight months now with some friends mm-hmm. in Sioux City going to School of Community every Thursday. But the annual kind of conference, and it's, It's not exactly like a normal conference you'd experience, but cultural event is held in New York City called the New York Encounter, and -hmm. I was able to go to that um, with some friends and experience that. Um, It's wonderful. You ever heard about it before? Have you ever? I have. I've never been to it, but people speak highly of it. I had never been to New York City, let alone this New York Encounter. So that was Mm -hmm. quite the cultural exposure. But yeah, what's exciting about this um, this conference was that the you know we we 
finished it and I was talking to a friend, I said it felt a lot like an open invitation to kind of a family reunion. You know, this movement's not huge in the U.S., much bigger in Europe, much bigger in Italy and Spain. And, but it, it is it's pretty substantial. And the connections that, that were made, I already had connections I didn't expect, friends from seminary, different people that I know across the country, friends of friends I was able to connect with, but then new friends with priests that was just so easy to connect with. And this, oh man, I met a guy and I forgot his name, but he was in college seminary with you for just a year, I think, or something. Or okay. maybe he was in college seminary when you were in um, major seminary. But he came to. He said he came to your ordination from the Twin Cities, and he was referencing okay. <laughs> how um, beautiful and wonderful your ordination reception was. Um, All right. So I'll have to figure out his name and give him a big shout out. But I met okay. him on the street of New York City, and he said, "Do you know Father Shane Demon?" I said, "I do." I do know him. <laughs> we spent a lot of time together. And when well, I might have, it, I, let me know. I might have shared the podcast with him that night. So uh-huh. if he's listening right now, shout out to you, um, our guy, um, whose name I don't. Well, he remember. can write into the, uh, the podcast into, web yeah. email site. <laughs> let us know who you are. Yeah, thanks. Um, it was wonderful. There were these different kind of facilitated conversations. Some of them were kind of church topics that you'd expect, like a Catholic lay movement. Um, Archbishop Christophe Pierre, the Apostolic Nuncio for the U.S., was there, and he led a talk with um, Bishop Eric Varden. I was telling you a bit before the show about this guy. Mm-hmm. Bishop Varden was wonderful. He is one of the youngest bishops in the world. Um, he's from Norway. He spent 30 years at a Trappist monastery in England and then was just asked um, by the Holy Father to be the bishop of a small kind of small population, big uh, geographic area in Norway. And okay. he's just he's just moved back there. So he was in his Trappist habit, but beautiful uh, British accent um, and so beautifully articulate. So he just wrote a book, Eric Varden is his name, called Shattering Loneliness. Hmm. It's on Christian remembrance. So Archbishop Christophe Pierre was kind of interviewing him about this. And it was it was very powerful and it was beautiful. And I want to, I want to talk about a few things that he said, but then there were these different kind of cultural um, sort of talks and experiences too. I went to a talk on economics and asking this question of why we find ourselves um, with so much inflation. And if we find ourselves in a, re- in a recession right now, and it was a guy who's been an investor on wall street for like 50 years. And then the guy, the guy who writes for fin- writes finances for the wall street journal, they were just mm-hmm. having a conversation about, so it was interesting to see, like like Father Jasani has had for a while, this openness to the culture mm-hmm. and openness to sort of like what is humanity's experience of the world and how does that relate to Christ's um, encounter with us. So it was fascinating. But I wanted to take kind of like what, I, what I've gleaned from Father Jasani from this movement, but especially what was articulated in that conversation with Bishop Varden and Archbishop Pierre, is this some might call a natural desire for God, but is this recognition that each of us have personal desires that as much as we can try to fulfill them, we're actually never satisfied. Mm -hmm. That actually sets us apart from any other animal, right? That's like part of being rational is Mm -hmm. that we have a capacity to have deep desires. And even even when they're met in a small way, there's always some desire that, that comes, right? There's always something more. Um, you just think of, I mean, students in sports right now, it's state basketball season in Iowa. And 
Yeah, going to state. Well, that doesn't satisfy. You want to win the next game and the next game and the next game. Well, you want to win the championship. But even if you win the championship, you're not like totally satisfied. You know, not like Simi and you say, okay, now, Lord, you can let me go in peace. It's like, no, now I want to win the championship next year and I want to get a scholarship for a college and I want to win the championship. That, and just keeps kind of growing and building. Mm-hmm. But Bishop Varden made an interesting comment. And this is what I'm curious what your thoughts are, Father Shane. He said that there has been an ancient distinction between the concepts of desire and longing. And he said English is a really helpful language because we actually have two words to describe those. He said other languages just kind of use different derivatives of the same Latin root. But he said desire is something that's in me and longing is something that's outside of me that kind of calls me. So he said in an older uses of usage of English, the word longing, it would have, you would have said it longeth me rather than just I long for this, like the sea longeth me. It evokes in me something more, something transcendent, right? Mm-hmm. So what he was kind of leaning into is, so if we're paying attention to my own personal desire, we eventually have to recognize that there's something outside of me that's you know, created me and is actually longing for me in turn. And Father Jasani would always comment on this kind of dual begging. My heart's begging for Christ and Christ is begging for my heart, kind of back and forth. But I think just to kind of bring it to this outcast topic is that we all have desires, and often some of us are even attentive to those, but do we actually have a recognition that the deepest desire of our heart, like the deepest desire, our deepest longing is communion with God, and all the different desires we can be attentive to, we can just pay attention to say, wait, I'm still not satisfied. And that dissatisfaction can become an alarm for us to say, wait, then there's got to be something more. So what is that something more? Well, that something more is God. Um, those who are far from the faith, far from the practice of the faith, still have desires, still have longing. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Father Shane? So as you've been speaking here, I got out my phone and I just went to etymology.com to look up longing in its uh, etymological roots here. Oh, very good. I, I'm kind of curious to know, in this kind of nerding out moment, this this so it, it says here that it comes from the English word longin, the Old English langin, langin, uh, which means to yearn after or to grieve for, mm. literally to to grow long and to grow lengthening, mm. um, comes from a Proto-Germanic word, which is connected with the root of long. Mm. So I, I can see why he would want to make that distinction to say that which we're longing for is clearly outside of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really... If you're longing for the ocean, if you're longing to look at your beloved, if you're longing to look at the mountains, mm. you can't necessarily get that inside of you. Mm. I can't take the ocean and put it in me, right? Yeah. Um, but but I, I can feel attracted towards it, and I can feel a, um, a yearning towards it to appreciate it in its beauty and to be in relation to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, d- you know, desires... I suppose desires could be fulfilled externally, but then there's kind of a, an internal satisfaction, right? Yeah. Gee, I could really use a piece of chocolate cake. Here, let's talk about chocolate cake for all of our listeners mm, during the season Lent. of Lent yeah, right exactly. now. Very good. I'm yearning. I, I desire a piece of cake. Well, that's something that you can kind of um, you can kind of consume that. Now, I would argue that even after a piece of chocolate cake, there's still a desire for more. <laughs> exactly. Oh, always. Where's the second piece? Now, Where's the I, third a quick piece? Quick interjection. I have to ask Father Shane. Are the sisters, the Carmelite sisters at Kenrick, still doing that crazy thing where they'll even make more desserts during Lent 
to make it a no, temptation for this? Because as the vice rector, Have I you told shut him there down? will be no desserts. You just shut it down. Lent. Yes. Well, that, oh. that happened last year before I got here, and I told him we will we will continue that. So, yeah. When I was there, they would do they would like play with the guys. So they would like make these like beautiful like pudding parfaits in this bowl. So they'd be like so appetizing to the eye, and would just have it sitting there, sort of like okay, boys, try not to eat that, you know. Like, yeah. So that, yeah, interesting. No, I, I'm a big proponent of the entire environment also must enter into the austerity of Lent. Yeah, and know, everybody has not to Not just wear, personal desire. You shut the heat off as well, and everybody just wears hoods, right? Very austere. No, we haven't done that. Okay, we still good. have heat, but uh, no desserts. Yeah, there is a recognition that even when what I think I desire is fulfilled, there's still something in me that wants something more, right? Whether it's the chocolate cake, but then even that, there's still something... There's more. Why do I want the chocolate cake? I want to be happy. Why do I want to be happy? Because I'm made for happiness. It's like there's always something more. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people miss when we talk about heaven, Mm. right? Um, When we talk about heaven, you don't go to heaven in a state of agitation, or rather you don't dwell in heaven in a state of agitation, right? Heaven in being in the presence of God is going to provide that sense of fulfillment. You don't get to heaven, you're like, oh, wow, there's the Trinity, but I want something more. Maybe I'll go look over behind this cloud and find something that's more satisfying over here, right? That yearning for the heart, that longing for that which you have always felt ordered towards, that comes to its fruition and completion and fulfillment in a state of peace, um, and that doesn't mean it comes to fruition and, and fulfillment, and then all of a sudden it's just over and you enter into this abyss of nothingness. There, there's a sustained sense of peace and happiness that comes with that. Yeah, then it's interesting where the Eastern Eastern theologians, they kind of, it, they open it up to this thing, the idea of theosis. They It's like an, an, a constantly unfolding reality. Now, that's that kind of butts up against what you're saying, the kind of more Western idea of like, you don't just like change when you get to heaven, right? But I think their point is like God is so ineffable and his love is so vast that you're not bored, right? You don't just get to heaven and it's just like, well, okay, if I guess I'm here sitting on the cloud now hanging out. It's like, no, like, you know, this this encounter with the Trinity is is wild. We can never imagine how satisfying that would be, you know? Yeah, I, and I would support that, that notion of the unfolding, I mean, for example, say you go on a vacation and you go to some tropical island and you're there for six days or whatever. There's a there's a natural unfolding of the vo- of the vacation. Mm. You know, I can enjoy the day at the beach, and I know tomorrow will provide a n- new experiences at the beach. Mm-hmm. I can go out to this restaurant tonight, and I know that there will be other adventures with other types of cuisine throughout the rest of the week. Yeah, Th- there's a natural progression of an unfolding in which I can enjoy day one and still know that day two, three, four, and subsequently are going to have their own uh, avenues of fulfillment and, and satisfaction. That's just a very small analogy of what the unfolding of heaven will be like because it's going to be for all all eternity. It will be perpetually unfolding in the most satisfying way possible. <laughs> yes. If we can try and get our minds around that. Mm. Yeah. And when I, you know, I think about this in the context of, Lent, where we find ourselves right now. And, you know, the next weekend after I was in New York, there was a just a very small, just kind of half day 
retreat with the same movement, CL, and a, a priest of the fraternity of uh, St. Charles Borromeo who was giving the retreat, and he said that line, that dissatisfaction can be an alarm to help us recognize, wait, <laughs> I'm made for something more, and I have an infinite desire, right, that's only going to be filled in, fulfilled in God. You know, that's what Lent is really here for, that we actually like lean into the dissatisfaction rather than just trying to fulfill it whenever possible, right? Because this priest, Father Stefano, made the comment that there's like two options when we encounter dissatisfaction. You can just complain about it, which even in some ways kind of satiates that need to just kind of like look at it and deal with it. Or you can bring it to God and you can recognize that, oh, you, you have my good in mind, God, my Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and you actually have a satisfaction that's deeper than this thing that I want right now. Now, we, we make analogies about chocolate cake and stuff, but there, I mean, people have like big desires out there, right? Maybe it's for like the health, the recovery of your loved one who's suffering, who's sick, right? Or these relationships that have tons of stress in it, like we've brought up around like Thanksgiving time and stuff like that. Um, or your children who are far from the faith, or maybe they're struggling with mental or physical health, all these different things that happen in our lives that create this dissatisfaction. But I think what's really helpful for us to just realize in this season of Lent every day of our life, but especially right now, is that, yeah, we're going to pull back from the desserts, like you said, at, at your seminary. We're going to pull back from the things that just kind of instantly are instantly gratifying, instantly satisfying, and recognize that even if we had those, we still have a deeper desire. So we're going to pull back from those so we can actually uncover the deeper desire, the deeper mm-hmm. longing, which is this relationship with God, right, the, which we're preparing to celebrate the glory of at Easter. All right. And I would say to any of our listeners who might be feeling a little distant in their relationship with God, if you can sit back and notice this longing of of how certain desires need to be trimmed, certain desires need to be um, just really refined, so that as you point out, the deeper the deeper desires can actually stem forth. Um, noticing that is actually what helps move you into a much more relational style of prayer. You know, if you feel like your whole uh, Catholic existence is just kind of checking boxes, you know, I go to Mass on Sunday, I gave a few bucks to the poor, uh, I did my rosary beads, and I flew through them just to kind of say I did it. If there's a very transactional sense of your of your relationship with God, to be able to go into these deeper desires and to say, I actually long for more, then all of a sudden one's prayer life can be opened up and one's sacramental life can also be opened up to the to the longing of the other, to the mm-hmm. encounter with the thou, mm. the I and the thou are meeting in union. And all of a sudden, then uh, transactional prayer can become much more relational. And we can start to speak to the Lord with the desires that are on our heart, even if they're small desires, but always putting them in the context of the bigger desire to be with and for and about him. I think that's a great way to kind of move, as I say, from this transactional or even just a purely devotional sense of a relationship with God to one that's much more relational. So it's good to notice those, those movements. Yeah, and I don't, I, I'm so glad you pointed that out to say transactional prayer because I don't know if many people recognize that maybe even like the unintentioned formation that they received as a Catholic, as a Christian, was in this kind of odd idea of transactional prayer, right? Mm-hmm. People use funny analogies sometimes, like as if God is like a broken vending machine. Where it's mm-hmm. like, I put the coin in, I put the prayer thing in, I go to Mass, I say the rosary, I light a candle, and like sometimes he pops out the, 
the grace that I want, or sometimes he kind of leaves me hanging, right? Mm -hmm. And that makes it seem like just like a really odd, distant God that I have to keep trying to, almost like the prophets of Baal, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dance around and whip myself so that he'll hear me or wake up or something. Rather, this <laughs> that God is relational and he's actually the one who's made the initiative with us. He created us mm -hmm. with a desire for him, but then he, fullness of time, became man. Right? And then he, he lived these years and he suffered and died through his passion as we're going to enter into more fully during Lent to give us a relationship with him and mm -hmm. inheritance as his sons and daughters, right? That can right. open up a new, I think, horizon of relationship with him. Hopefully this yeah. Lent for our listeners, yeah. Yeah, in our final minutes here, can we just go back to the book that you had mentioned uh, Bishop Varden had written? It's yeah, called Shattering make, Loneliness. I want to make sure to get the, it's either a shattering, the shattering. I, well, I but it is a, about loneliness, is that exactly, correct? Exactly, it is. All right, so if anyone who's listening to us in these late winter the months. The Shattering Loneliness. The Shattering Loneliness. By, and then, of course, Eric has a K at the end good Norwegian, uh, Varden, V-A-R-D-E-N. Yeah, get it on Amazon there. So yeah, The Shattering Loneliness. For any of our listeners who are feeling lonely, um, the ache itself of loneliness is indicating the, the longing and the desire to be satisfied. The ache itself is indicating that you are ordered, you are destined, you are made for relationality. Yeah. And and we, we can all find moments of loneliness in which you know, we're feeling separated from friends and family members or that relationships might, you know, disappoint us from time to time. But but lean into that ache, uh, go into that longing, because I think that's actually where Jesus wants to meet us most in those deepest desires of the heart. So um, thanks for sharing these things, Father, and we'll, we'll pray for Bishop Varden and his work in uh, Scandinavia. And I hope everyone who was participating at the CL gathering was going to be um, really blessed by this. Yeah, thanks, Father Shane. Appreciate those uh, thoughts. And everybody, let's lean into those longings this Lent. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.